This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod save the queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. We've got a special mini-series for you this week. Little, well, a bit like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, really. There's a big piece, a middle piece and a little piece, but you can listen to them in whatever order you like. We are taking an up-close look at the royal family's video calling during lockdown. We're looking at the body language, we're looking at the room setups, and we are looking at the fashion and beauty and how they look. So a little bit different this week, a bit of a retrospective, some new friends and some old ones returning. I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and this episode is the big chunky one where we welcome back Judy James, body language expert, to look at the little clues, the little signals that the royals are giving off and some of the big ones too, let's face it. So over to Judy. So hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen, Judy James, body language expert. It has been far too long. I was just thinking that, and then you appeared on my email. So obviously you were psychic. I thought too long, and here we are. And here we are. I think the last time might have been just when Megan was pregnant or just after she'd had the baby or something like that. So, you know, a year ago. But here we are in lockdown. It is a great time to reconnect with people over um, virtual different video calling uh, situations as in fact the royals have been doing which has been giving you an opportunity to look at them and in, in an entirely different habitat let's say like the like the zoo creatures that they maybe are um, <laughs> so who has caught your eye in terms of either the work that they've been doing or the way that they've been doing it during during the lockdown I think, and as you say, I've enjoyed watching the videos because it has shown them in a different light altogether. And also because I am starved of body language. I mean, people around where I live are going out with masks and social distancing. So it's great to see people, and I think a little bit more in close-up. I think for some of the roles that hasn't particularly shown them in a new light, like the Queen, the Queen is always the Queen. Um, her body language does not change. I mean, I think if we archive back, as I think I did at one point, she, she was putting some old films of herself as a child online. I think if you archive back, you can always see exactly the same body language going on as she does now, which is, which is good for her. Um, I have obviously been enchanted by William and Kate because I think they give very good video conference. I mean, they, I think Kate could actually give lessons in how to do it to people in business, um, although that's quite a low bar at the moment. Um, but apart from that, I, I love the way that there's been this sort of archaeological dig and, and they've emerged with um, Edward and Sophie, who, you know, suddenly the royals, not her so much, I mean, she's always been there. Um, but Edward, he'd been putting mothballs for so many years and then suddenly he's everywhere, which I have found ex extremely fascinating. So you know, it has been interesting seeing of the seeing some of the royals who we don't see so much of coming to the fore because everybody is sort of equal in a different way on on social media and it's who can get out and do bits and pieces and we're seeing Princess Anne being quite sort of engaging in her in her phone calls as well because she's such a hard she's such a hardworking royal she you know obviously there's something she's she's very sort of of her time somehow she is very princess Anne. there is no other way to describe her but 
you can see that she gives everything in a in a conversation as well. I I must admit, um, and again, we don't see a lot of her. I mean, she's obviously working really hard. She's on the circuit. People are meeting her one to one, etc. But suddenly, there she was as well, uh, appearing on 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 video. And I I suddenly thought that we should all adore the woman actually because. I think for the reasons that you've said, she is so, she's actually more old school than her mother. I mean, she looked to me like with her body language, we had the raised chin, we had the raised eyebrow. Um, she looked like one of those very intimidating dowager duchesses from Downton Abbey. It, you know, it's that kind of performance as though she will take no captives. She obviously doesn't suffer fools gladly. And I love the way that she came out and spoke to the veterans, but the magic from her, um, I don't think she intimidated any of them because she's got quite a kind of military, it was a bit like, well, how have you got on since the war kind of a, kind of a thing. But I, I loved the way, and the thing I, I especially loved about her is that she was speaking to elderly people, elderly veterans, but for her, she clearly ages just a number, and she spoke to them, which is quite unusual for older people she spoke to them like younger human beings and I think they really appreciated that I mean she wasn't patronizing um she asked them questions when they answered she kind of her eyes go up to the ceiling as though uh yes I think that story kind of yeah I think they're telling the truth I get that one um but she wasn't soppy and I'm sure that they will have genuinely appreciated that because I've heard some horrendous interviews recently where people have been in their 90s and they've got the, oh, how are you? You know, wow, you managed to breathe and walk at the same time. <laughs> well, you know, they've still got the same brain in there and I, I, I felt quite sorry for them, but Anne gets that. And I, I loved her version of royalty and I loved her version of royal body language. Grey, sharp jacket. She got what looked like medals, but it was actually huge brooches on. Um, hair up, uh, nothing soppy. You know, she was she was just going for the real business approach and I, I I did enjoy watching that. I, I'm not sure she would be my first choice of a face to appear on my screen in my living room during lockdown. I think I'd, I'd be slightly, oh my god, um, stand to attention but I, it, it, was a, it was a lovely bit of retro and good for her. You mentioned that William and Kate have been doing a really good job and Kate in particular. What is it about them that you think is so good and coming over so well? I mean, obviously the bar got lowered when the rest of the royals kind of either hopped off or got involved in scandals. So I think we're clinging to them as a sort of a, a measure of perfection. But I think they've come very well out of that because they could have let us down. But in fact, Kate, I, I, I really feel that her status in the royal family anyway would have been increasing. And we can see her confidence signals growing as a result of that. She's not the most adept public speaker. I think she still finds that slightly uncomfortable. And obviously Megan was the big star at doing that. But put her in front of that video camera and I think she's suddenly found her niche. She gets the body language almost perfectly right. Um, she frames herself well. It doesn't look as though she's done it deliberately, but she sits well. She um, uses self-diminishing techniques, so she slightly makes her body smaller, um, and she leans forward. Now, normally I wouldn't advise people to do that in business, but because she's royal, that self-diminishing when you're visiting in a virtual way patients and homes and things like that, it makes them feel as though they're more special. It's not a kind of a royal stepping down off their throne. It makes her look accessible, but also it makes her look royal enough to make the visit special. It's not, you know, it's not, oh, call me Kate and I'll just put my old frock on or anything like that. You would know that you'd been visited by a royal and you could tell your grandchildren and everything. But in a way that looks so friendly and so accessible. And she uses... Um, active listening signals she's not she doesn't talk a lot uh, she's not the royal sort of, oh let me tell you all about my life and my problems and everything like that she will ask a lot of questions and she really leans forward uses a lot of eye contact she looks as though she genuinely wants to find out about the people that she's talking to and she's also got oh gosh I sound as though I'm in the Kate fan club um she's also got 
um, a trait of being self-effacing. When the cameras come on, she's got that slightly dimpled smile as though, well, I'm not very good at this, although she is. And the bingo calling, you know, holding the ball up. <laughs> what was it, two little ducks or something? I had no idea. But she didn't do that with William in a kind of, oh, what are we doing today kind of a thing. I, it, it was, oh, I wish I did know something about this. So I, I think she's come out really, really well through the video. And I have to say, her absolute classic was when she did This Morning. Because she looked more professional as a presenter than Phil and Holly. Um, she was a natural, and I loved the way her listening signals were so active, she looked as though she wanted to find out more about them. And I loved the way that when Phil said, you know, how are you getting on with the family? There was no pity party. There was no, oh, the kids are driving. And she immediately turned it around and said, oh, how are you two getting on with your families? I thought, wow, when did a role last do that? Because normally it's a bit me, me, me. Um, obviously a bit difficult for Phil at that point, but Holly gave a little smile. But so, yeah. um, but I, it, she looked like a, a natural in terms of almost being a presenter interviewer. And she did really well. So in terms of context for our uh, international listeners, Phil and Holly, they are the sofa king and queen of daytime TV. They're, if you imagine William and Kate's kind of most relaxed, informal engagements on the video calls and kind of translate that into TV presenters, that's sort of what you've got. They do the serious and they do the fun and they do the lighthearted. It is worth Googling them, actually, because there's lots of very funny YouTube clips of when they've had innuendos and just generally laughing. And Holly cries, cries quite regularly on, on the telly. And they are, both, they are both brilliant. But Philip Schofield is a TV presenter from my childhood. He was um, one of the children's TV presenters from the 1990s. He was a star in Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. And then, so if, if January's story was um, Meghan and Harry deciding they were going to quit their roles as senior royals. Then in the UK, February story initially, the first big story of February, was Philip Schofield announcing that actually he was he was gay. So that was what that was what Judy was alluding to when she was saying that maybe uh, William and Kate asking after how they were getting on with their family was maybe a little bit awks for, for Philip this time around. That styled it out beautifully. Um, Kate, she she goes all in with it, I think, is part of it as well. When you were talking about her, it made me think of what uh, Dan Jackson, our lovely producer, often says to us when we're recording our regular shows or when someone new is coming on. If you're doing audio only, you sort of have to give it a bit more beans and be, I think he said sometimes, like be 110% yourself. Keep the energy, you know, keep the energy up. And you kind of have to do that on video calls to get that, I'm, d I'm doing it now talking to you over Zoom to get that um, that kind of message and energy up. I think it's probably why we all end up exhausted at the end of the day of video meetings. Yeah, and I think that's affecting people in the lockdown even when they're doing video meetings with their friends. I mean, um, we, like a lot of people, are, are meeting up with other couples, friends that we've known for years. And normally you would meet them and sit there with a glass of wine in the flesh, have a bit of a laugh uh, and probably feel more energized by the end of the evening but at the end of an hour's video chat when you mind you it's probably the subject matter you're speaking about oh look here's a jigsaw that I did and you know so things that I'm not usually talking about um and trying to think of something interesting even though we've done absolutely nothing for since forever I I don't know it's it's it is difficult because it, and this is the whole thing it's the active listening signals that you have to kind of work it both ways and I've always experienced this and the power of body language when I've done radio interviews because if you go into the studio and you'll know this um you either get the people in the studio that greet you and will sit there nodding and actively encouraging you they never make a noise because it sounds slightly pervy on, on on air um and the ones that carry on writing notes and doing stuff where you're talking and you run out of things to say. So in business, it's incredibly important. I think people are learning this with the video link, that it does have to be a two-way body language communication with equal work both sides. And you said how well Kate is doing with it all. And she and William are 
different kinds of characters and that's one of the reasons they work so well together as a pair and we I think we have seen quite a lot of William over the last couple of years again sort of relaxing into his role joking about fatherhood they seem to have quite nice repartee between the two of them how is he coming over in these video calls when you know he's got this superstar essentially sitting alongside him who's such a natural with people really how's he doing in terms of his his zooming I, I think he may have learned a lesson from his father because I know, um, well, it wasn't even rumours, it was true that um, Charles got very upset when Diana became the superstar and upstaged him. A, I, I think that Kate probably doesn't upstage, and I think she's quite clever about that. Although she's the one that you look at, um, you, you kind of get the magic from William as well. So um, even though as well he kind of allows her to lead so she is often instigating and leading the conversations. He seems quite happy with that. And he will join in. He'll crack a few jokes. Uh, he's not as socially comfortable as she is, and he never has been. He's always displayed signals of, of shyness. And I think you can see for him this is a little bit of a stretch, but he's enjoying it and growing into it. Whereas for her, I think she's probably, because she wasn't born royal, she's, she's grown up more in touch with real human beings uh, than maybe he saw. And um, so she finds it easier. But I'm fascinated with them because they give away absolutely nothing as a couple. And I know that we knew that it was Meghan and Harry that did all the big PDAs and the glances of love and the touching and everything like that. Um, William and Kate don't. Um, you won't see any loving glances or the touches or the affection or the I want to kiss you looks or anything like that. But that works in their favour. They've obviously got a longer relationship. But what they do is that uh, that means that they then focus on the people they're visiting rather than being in a little love bubble. So I think that's probably easier uh, to be with. But also they make an incredibly well-choreographed team. I mean, don't underestimate the way that they work. Even on a little video link, he, she, she does the intro. Uh, he will then join in with a joke. He will do talk. They rarely glance at one another. There's maybe just a small glance, but it's just a sort of interested in what you're saying. It's not, I mean, I have to say, being in a long-term relationship myself, when you're on those video links and your other half speaks, it's very easy to kind of roll your eyes and do sort of rude gestures behind their back and, oh, they're off again about their radishes, you know, and all that <laughs> Uh, but they they just do supportive little glances that they're a bit like watching um, a, a, a couple from Strictly Come Dancing. It's almost like a dance choreography, but it works so well. And their mirroring is still quite intense. They uh, Their body language is quite similar at the same time. They do similar waves, etc. And that, for me, shows a, a very profoundly strong links as li a like-minded couple. Um, who've got the same values, the same focus, etc. And I think that really, I've never seen a moment of irritation or anything between them. So we don't get the strong positives of, of loving looks, but we don't get negatives either. And in a long-term relationship, that is a mini miracle. And I think it's interesting, you know, talking about, it's almost that unspoken understanding of someone who you are spending so much time with, because for them, they're not just, you know, living together and in a marriage, they're also in a working partnership as, as well. You know, I mean, made the illusion of Phil and Holly earlier and how, you know, how much they, how strongly they work together and how over so many years and fine, it's different. They've not got a, a relationship alongside, although their families traditionally used to go on holidays together and things. So they have a friendship and you think about people like Anton deck or whoever who are so in tune with each other and have been working together for so long you don't almost need to talk or need to look at each other because you're in tune on your thinking you can you you know which story is going to come out and it might be about the radishes <laughs> <laughs> not the radish story I, Although yeah. I must plant mine I've got some I need to plant out if you're going to talk about radishes, I'm going to switch off. Oh, no, all right, we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll save gardening. Snooze. I'm sure they're wonderful, but uh, uh, you're absolutely right, though. And you're right in the fact that um, famous professional double acts tend to not be married or in a relationship. And I think in the past, we've got people in the UK like Owen and Ruth that are married, but it's really difficult. And often there's been 
um, I know producers have said, oh, you know, this couple are married and they'll be really magic on television. It often doesn't work. And you get um, a better choreography from people like Anton Deck that can be very like-minded, but without the kind of baggage of the relationship sometimes. It can be quite painful watching real couples working. That's why I find William and Kate so extraordinary that they have got a bit of an... I suppose it's Ant and Deck without the humour and the high foreheads or something, but um, <laughs> that they've got that kind of blend together, even though you can see that he's just that... If I use the word stuffy, it sounds rude, but he is a little bit more stuffy and she's a bit more natural, but nothing between them seems too great on one another, which, um, yeah, they're supportive. And the other thing I don't see them doing that you do tend to see with... Uh, professional couples on television or non-couples, they don't use what are called um, tie signs. Now, if you see couples on the red carpet that made a film together, um, they will be well choreographed, but you can actually see little hand tapping gestures going on that will say things like, oh, now we'll move, now we'll go. You saw it with Meghan and Harry when they did their engagement interview, when they did that in the garden. And it was Megan doing the little taps and strokes on Harry's arm. And it was Megan that instigated tap, tap, we've finished now, we're going back and putting our feet up and having a cup of coffee. Um, and that is what a lot of couples use to guide one another when they're out. It's a kind of secret signalling. But William and Kate don't even seem to need that. I don't know if they've had a chip put in somewhere or they've got little secret headphones like, get me away from this person, I'm bored. But they, they seem to do it intrinsically and always have done in their relationship. So, you know, well done them. And you mentioned Meghan and Harry. Obviously, they have departed these shores and are setting up their new life and sort of waiting to set up their new life as well, obviously, because their plans have been knocked somewhat off course, as have many people's, by the pandemic. We've seen a little bit of them in various videos that Harry's released for the Invictus Games and some other causes. Megan sent some messages to Smartworks. And then we obviously saw the video for Archie's birthday, reading the book, which was, you know, very cute. Um, so what things did you pick up? How is their new life suiting them? Has anything changed? And I guess, did you notice anything when they were back visiting us as well? I think uh, for Megan, she's gone back to what she knows and loves. So in a way, her body language, if anything, it just seems to be a little bit of relief. I mean, nothing obvious, but she seems to be a lot more comfortable being Megan, a little bit more actressy, a little bit more Hollywood than she was before. And obviously relishing that. I, I, I don't like to make any differences between two countries, but uh, the fact that she will be received probably less critically for everything that she does and that she can be very generous in the way that she presents herself and everything. Harry, I, I, he kind of vanished a bit. I mean, I love the way that he was just behind the camera when Archie's birthday. Funnily enough, I, I knew he was there, even though we didn't know he was there, and I'm sure they've got other people during the lockdown, but you could almost, I could almost sense him bursting with pride behind the camera. And I love the way that right at the end, he just couldn't contain himself. Yay! Um, so the, so it was as though Archie had scored a goal when in actual fact Archie had been hilariously wriggly and, and off-piste for the entire chat. I, I must admit, I don't have children, but I did love watching that because she was really struggling there. I mean, she was doing this wonderful idealistic reading the story to my child and to the camera. So it was quite actressy, you know, it was like, oh, we can look at the book as well as my child. And I think Archie might have sensed that, hang on, somebody else is stealing my mum's attention. He starts flipping the pages over. He reached for another book at one point and wriggling to get on the floor. And I, it did remind me a little bit of a, when you get in soap operas, professional actresses, and they're given a baby that isn't there. It was like, and they start to speak or play up and they try and sort of smile and talk over them. I thought she was doing professionally really well, but, but struggling and besotted at the same time. I, I, it was, it was a, it was a good blend. Um, and it showed well for Archie. He's obviously a pretty confident kid that knows his own mind, but I loved the way at the end as well, when, um, uh, Harry was so fulsome with his praise and Archie looked at him 
And I, I thought he said Dada, and I thought we were getting the first, you know, Archie speaks and said, but Megan stayed well on script and said, oh, Duck and Rabbit, you know, which uh, was the book that she was reading. So she she turned that one around really well. So, but I thought that was cute because I think most parents would recognise that wriggling, the wriggling child routine. Um, For sure. I love watching Harry because we will see him change. I think um, we're probably not seeing the metamorphosis quite as much as we would have done had we not had lockdown because uh, obviously he can't hit all the hair salons and all the other places that one has to visit to be uh, famous in Hollywood. But even now I've noticed because he's clearly losing his hair um, and it suddenly started to be a little bit rushed upwards and things like that. So, and he's very, his body language, he's always quite animated, but he's suddenly become quite teenagerish with his body language. The hands are quite high. He rolls his eyes while he's speaking. So I think he's getting that kind of enthusiastic American teenager vibe that we maybe weren't seeing when he was being royal in the UK. So he's kind of... He started off as a sort of the Jack the Lad royal and then he went to try and be, I'm going to be serious now, I'm a married man and I'm going to be taken seriously, I'm going to be working hard as a royal and trying to do this and then realising obviously that that wasn't actually what was going to suit him and Meghan for their happiness and now he's kind of maybe rediscovering himself. I mean, did you, last year, did you pick up on the fact that they weren't happy or how did you how did you feel when that all came about? I mean, I... She clearly um, played it very well because, you know, four marks to her because uh, she said that she'd gone through a lot of a lot of grief, but she never showed it. And I, I think the actress side uh, helped her to get through that because I looked through acres of footage and she'd always got a good smile on her face. She always looked engaged. She'd always got quite an excited eye expression. She always looked clearly besotted with Harry. Um, and I think that possibly made it less obvious, but I think we saw Harry change so much. Um, I mean, I could always see the rift between him and William anyway, going back um, right to the first days of, of, of Harry's marriage and meeting Meghan. But uh, he became, as you say, he went from being this Jack the Lad character. And we used to see him all the time with William looking like a couple of jokers. You know, if they turned up at weddings, oh, here they come, what are they going to do? What are they going to get up to? But particularly Harry. And then suddenly, I I think it could have been put down to the fact that he'd he'd got responsibilities in life at last with the wife and then the child. But I think he was looking way too unhappy, way too serious, way too annoyed, really. Um, And I think that, was his reaction when he tried to protect his wife and clearly had a very, very, very difficult decision to make. I think the last appearance that they made, it was telling when you saw him coming out of the church. And I think he suddenly realised that this was the last public appearance that he was going to make. And he, William and Kate had just left and uh, he and uh, he and Megan had been very, very sort of, you know, head down and um, subdued while they were there muttering to one another. But suddenly, as their car went off, you suddenly saw Harry become animated and fun again. He was laughing and joking with the people on the way out. He's very tactile. And I think as he was walking towards the car, I think he suddenly wanted to do a lap of honour. It was as though he wanted one last laugh and a bit of a joke. And and Megan did appear to sort of usher him forward a bit, sort of, you know, come on, let's go. Uh, I think he must have had regrets, but I think... It's a bit like anything that we do. It's a bit like when people are playing poker or anything. There's that sort of, I can't decide what to do and you know whether to put a bet on this hand or not. But once you've made that decision, the relief was tangible. And I think that's where we saw the old Harry coming back again. I hope, hope, hope for his sake that Hollywood Harry works okay. Because um, I, I'm sure you've discussed it, but he's going to be pretty isolated. Um, he's kind of gang his crowd won't be there with him all the people that think he's wonderful and I know Megan does but all those people that with the Royal Males have been telling them you're marvellous everything you say is funny and you know all of all of that crowd and I think he's gonna have to prove himself again 
in a slightly more um, intellectual stroke superficial group that uh, he might struggle with, I think. No, it's going to be very interesting to see how they both get on. But it's interesting that you mentioned poker because I was just thinking through that, that I think I'd probably rather play poker against Prince Harry than against Meghan because it sounds like Harry wasn't really able to hide his turmoil, whereas Meghan had a good game face and would kind of put her best best foot forward, go out there and do this, even if actually that took a lot out of her as as it did back to back to the effort that goes into you know putting over what you're what you're trying to convey um Charles and Camilla have you spotted anything with them that uh, anything different to how they normally operate or are they kind of getting on with it in in Balmoral in in the ways that they are kind of set in having been doing it for decades I mean Charles clearly had the virus so um that must have set him back but I doubt that life changed very much for him and um he and Camilla they've, they've done a video call each it looked a bit Luddite-ish you could maybe tell that Charles it wasn't his natural habitat because he was treating it more I mean whereas William and Kate turn it into a bit of a one-to-one conversation with Charles it was a royal performance and he was sitting there straight onto camera a bit like a passport photograph um speaking as though he were making a a royal address a little bit. Eyebrows slightly puckered with concern, but that's his signature look anyway now. But he was probably less giving of his personality. I think recently he does seem to have relaxed a bit into himself and he seems to be getting on well with his small grandchildren and we've seen him laughing and being a bit more tactile. But I think the move to video conferencing is not his forte and I love the way you know it is part of the body language for all of us in business as well but you know the background he's got all these really ancient tomes and the whole background is ancient I I think he even had a an old two-pin plug socket with something plugged in I wanted to always say change your change your wiring but um I think that probably doesn't tell us anything we didn't already know about Charles which is that he is quite averse to change he'd got the jacket on he'd got the tie he'd got the pocket hanky and I think his probably approach to being wild will be a lot more like his mother than it will the next generation down and I think you know that kind of upright camera performance thing is probably what suits him the best with maybe a few clips of him going around the gardens talking about his plants and things like that but um i I don't think he's going to be one of those hands-on, tactile, relaxed, just call me, just call me Charlie kind of royals at all. I, I think that Camilla probably looks the least comfortable of all the royals in front of um, the screen. She's she's quite engaging. She's got a good self-effacing smile that I think makes people like her. But of all of them, you could see her eyes going backwards and forwards across the top of the screen. So she'd obviously got a little bit of script going on up there, even though it was just a, hi, hope you're all okay. And I think that shows, I think it, it it's quite a challenge for her doing anything in public where she's got to speak or appear as, as Camilla, possibly the future queen. I think she still finds it quite challenging. I think she's probably better one-to-one with people and being a little bit uh, a, a less, less royal looking. Yeah, I think the the call that she did with David Williams last week, which we talked about in uh, last week's episodes, was probably a bit more bit more informal and possibly a bit more at home than when she's having to do the the formal bits. And I think actually the the video call that I would love to have seen of Prince Charles is to have been Alan Titchmarsh during the classic FM interview, which again we talked about in the last episode because. I talked about it then. Like Prince Charles sounds very different on that in that interview he sounds he sounds like someone they sound like two old blokes chatting around over the fire and kind of reminiscing I feel like he might have been a bit more relaxed and a bit more giving and we saw inside it was still in his old-fashioned um old-fashioned office his papers strewn all over the desk and brilliantly you could hear the carriage clock occasionally chiming the hour or the quarter hour so anyway little little note of tradition in there Edward and Sophie you mentioned as well. So, I mean, Sophie has been probably after Kate, the, the superstar of all of this, certainly from the, from the side of the ladies. Um, and Edward is popping up for the odd appearance and things as well. 
Yeah, I, I, as I say, the archive material, I mean, Edward kind of vanished soon after its Royal Knockout, I think. Um, I think he probably had some bad career choices. And then we'd had that petulance. Um, and then we did see him marry Sophie. And I, I, I think she had a bit of a bad start in the royal family because she was hailed as being the next Diana. And I think uh, people maybe don't remember, but she did look a bit like Diana and she tended to dress a bit and the hair, with, mind you, didn't we? You didn't, you're too young. But we're all having a go. I, I think I did buy a frilly neck shirt at one point, you know, one of those uh, Diana lookalikey things. But um, I think then that people expected her to be like Diana and she did begin to attract the same rabid attention. Um, but then, like Kate, she had a very good knack of just calming it all down, getting on with her job and um, being seen, but not um, turning anything into a soap opera. And I think she and Kate both excel in that one, that you want to see them, you want to look at them. It's nice to see them, but you can switch over reasonably quickly and watch something else. You're not rushing out to get the new magazine story about them. They're not giving in their body language, and so far as we don't see a whole array of emotions that we used to see from Diana. Um, but what I think has been very obvious recently, and I've been sent a load of uh, clips, is Sophie seems to get on extraordinarily well with the Queen. And the Queen, I think we forget Sophie's the middle generation. Sophie is the only royal bride of that generation that had any Teflon about her. She was the only one that stuck. Um, Windsor men are notoriously difficult to be married to. You know, that's an understatement. I mean, going back to Henry VIII. Um, but I, I, I think you find with Sophie, she managed to do it with perhaps one of the most difficult sons as well. And I think the Queen appreciates that. And I think she's sort of pretty, it, it's, it's raised her points in the royals. She also seems to get on really well with Prince Philip. Now, he clearly has got a history of being maybe as intimidating as Anne, maybe a bit more. But um, the pictures and the body language I've seen between him and Sophie, she just seems completely relaxed. She's got one eyebrow raised, like, don't try it on with me, you know. <laughs> and, and it seems that Edward is sort of standing there with his hands behind his back looking sheepish most of the time. But she's out there at the front getting on with quite difficult royal roles in a very subtle way that seems to work. And, you know, I think she attracted a bit of negative publicity a few years ago, but since then, it, it's been kind of positive. I, I, I'll use the word bland, but I don't mean that as an insult because it's quite difficult to be a royal and be good and do everything right, but still be bland enough where you don't attract the negative stuff and you don't look like you're trying to turn yourself into a superstar. Um, I think the key was very much in that Eid clip that we saw, uh, which is where Edward clearly is stage managed and takes all his cues from his wife. I mean, he really did stand there looking wonderfully sheepish with his hands behind his back, just smiling. Now, this is a guy that at one stage did want to be a performer. You know, he joined a theatrical company, and I think, and, and obviously with it's a knockout, he wanted to be a star turn. But now, no, he's fine. He knows his place. He'll stand back with his hands behind his back, smiling at camera blankly. And she initiates the talk. She uh, looks straight to camera. She's got great presence, great confidence. And then she turns to look at him like, right, this is your cue. You've got your lines now, which he delivers very nicely, very well. But then it's back to Sophie again. And I... I don't mean that in an upstaging way, but it gives the impression that she probably will take no nonsense and will be pretty much in control. Um, and I think that's possibly the key to keeping a royal, a royal marriage with a royal male. Sophie reminds me, I think, in her video calls quite a lot of Kate, but not quite as exaggerated. She's not quite as informal and not quite as kind of over the top in, in some ways about things, but she's always hugely elegant. That, you talked about the Eid video, sort of that little gesture at the end where she put her hand on her heart as sort of a, a sign of respect and connection is what I, I took from it. Mm. Yeah, and I think that that connection word is, is very much part of Sophie actually, because um, 
she also, when she was um, doing the visits to the veterans, uh, Kate, again, had this lovely role, slightly maternal look. I mean, Kate and William, they, they both had a trait where they lean forward slightly smiling into the camera, which makes the audience feel a bit like borrowers, as though they're being looked at right down the mouse hole. But they make it look good. Uh, it's as though you've got nice parents visiting you. But with Sophie, she really did lower her own status. She looked like um, a relative visiting one of the veterans that she was talking to, as though his, his niece or his granddaughter was visiting. She got a nice floral dress on. She kept her uh, body quite low to screen. Um, she's got an interesting smile, which shouldn't work, but it does because it's a slightly downturned smile. It goes down at the corners and that can look as though uh, you're suppressing. And that, I mean, Kate doesn't suppress the smiles, but uh, Sophie does. It looks as though she suppressed them, which could make it look as though life has been challenging. Um, but she also raises her top lip when she smiles, which could also look like a snarl. But on her, it really works. Um, but it implies to me that she's she's not, it's not been an easy ride all these years in the royal family. But it, it's not a sort of natural pinging smile, but it works really well with other people because it encourages them to smile. And also it sounded as though she'd done her homework. She was she knew things, I know they have tricks for doing that, but she knew things about the people that she was talking to. Um, and like Kate, she led them into doing most of the talking. But you're right, she, it, they're almost similar, but chalk and cheese, her and Kate, actually. They look very similar. I think they get on quite well. But Sophie definitely brings her own profile down when she's with people naturally so she looks lower status more friendly she looks like somebody that would say oh do you want do you want me to bring you a pint of milk next time i come and visit you know a, a, a natural relative um with perhaps less of the, the royal tinge about her body language i was just thinking that maybe she'd be the person who you know, if I was going through a bad time in a relationship or just having a bad time at work, wanting a bit of a shoulder to cry on, I think she might be the person from the royal family that I would go to for that. And yeah. that's so we all need that sometimes. So, I, I, I think, and the least one you'd go to might be Princess Anne, although she would tell you probably to pull yourself together. Have you been surprised at how well the royal family have dealt with this transition into, into video calling? because it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. It's not, and I think it's pretty alien to a lot of them. I mean, I, 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 you can see a sort of uh, them learning on the job a little bit, I think, they, and you can probably tell the people in the royal family that have maybe gone back and watched themselves and thought, oh, maybe that could have been framed a bit better, maybe our time of hair back, you know, maybe we shouldn't just have the ceiling in the background, or maybe, I mean, Camilla's bookshelf was so different to Charles's. I mean, it's a wonder those two are married because Charles has got all these heavyweight times. Camilla, I, and I couldn't help it, I was sitting there, you know, the head turned sideways looking at her book titles. And uh, they were all these kind of holiday reading detective novels that I'm sure he would probably burn given the chance. So there's a little bit of intellectual chalk and cheese going on there. But I think they have learned quite quickly uh, how to do it. Um, more so probably than when we watch people like Boris Johnson's press things and then we got all the press going on there where you just sit there and think, what were you thinking with that lighting and what were you thinking with that top? So, yeah, it's it's a big evolutionary step for the royal family and I think, I think they've stepped up a lot better than I possibly thought that they would do. You talked about, you know, you're obviously doing work with business and and that kind of thing and and coaching in terms of video calling which all of us are doing a lot more if we do want to convey a good make a good impression and convey something of ourselves what is what is the key to us civilians in terms of giving off a good impression on a video call and making that connection through a screen i think at the moment that people tend to be between two camps there's a kind of slap happy amateurs where oh you know I've got kids in the background and there's my husband half naked walking along behind me and isn't it all charming and funny and my cat's just jumped on my head and you know it can happen to all of us I, I'm not gonna I could win an award for some of the mistakes that I've had but um 
there seems to be with some people that I'm working from home, so that's okay. I would argue that whatever you're doing now is going to reflect on your your brand back in the workplace and being a little bit too comfortable and casual. And, you know, the line we're all using, oh, I'm, you know, I look quite smart here, but I'm just wearing jogging bottoms or I've got nothing on underneath the desk. I, if you wouldn't do it in the workplace, it's probably a good idea not to do it. Um, in terms of tips, I would say, number one, be prepared. I think one of the biggest problems, a lot of people, they're late coming to the video call and it, it's it, it probably appears more rude than walking into an actual live meeting late and that kind of oh um i mean I, i've had people where the, the screens come up and there's no nobody there you're looking where are you you know oh i just have to get a cup of coffee you know well get it beforehand don't don't keep me waiting i think people really do feel and particularly clients they feel that if there is a gap um it, it demeans their importance as far as the business relationship is concerned so definitely be punctual um as I say, look professional, look and see how you look on screen, frame the shot well, and don't do, I know William and Kate do it very nicely, but some people are just keeping their PC where it would normally be for work and almost looming over it as though they're writing. And it, it does look quite creepy when you do that, when you especially with the big glasses on as well, peering at people is not a particularly good idea. Um, I would say plan a spot, and this is vanity to a certain extent, but plan the lighting. I think you see some people where they've just got, again, hammer horror overhead lighting going on. But don't go too professional because I know a lot of people, and, you know, good for them. They've bought the ring light and, you know, they look like social influencers and everything's bleached out and wonderful and here's big lighting. You, know, you can always hear the camera crew in the background. That looks a little bit like overkill so maybe not such a good idea um when you sit down to talk i don't think it's a good idea just to lean on your desk i think you should sit upright and push your shoulders back and down and get what's called the upturned v gap under your armpits i don't mean that you give them sort of thumbs up gestures or anything like that but it's very easy to do the self-diminishing where you hug yourself or sit scrunched up on your desk now, for power and status signals, good ones, confidence signals, you need just to have that little gap. So if you've got a chair with arms to it, just put your elbows on the arm of the chair and be visible, really, ideally, from the top of your head nearly down to your waist because then you can use body language gesticulation. Um, and as long as you use emphatic gesticulation, that will add to your messages, whereas if you're just sort of waving your hands around or fiddling with something, that won't be such a good look. Um, raise your PC up off the desk. I think it's a good idea to just put it on a few books when you do your video call um, so that you're not looking down it. And be careful. I think we don't realise when we're looking rude. I think there's so many other things going on. They can't see that. And you might have a notebook or you might have notes or you might have, you know, Amazon delivery guys just turning up or something. But the looking away or reaching away to get a cup of coffee or something, it, it looks as though you're distracted and not listening to the person that's talking that, that will look very rude. A, a tip from, from Kate would be that throughout the entire video conference call, and if you're on a, a multi-screen, make sure that just because somebody else is talking, don't just go into passport photograph mode or you know, oh, look, there's a little binky waiting for its lunch on the floor. Be absolutely focused on the people and the active listening signals are vital. The nodding, the eye contact, the raised brows when somebody says something interesting, encouraging people, all of that will make you look um, much more workplace effective than just sitting there, you know, oh, it's not my turn yet. The other things that are difficult in terms of etiquette, and you've mentioned them, it's trying not to talk over people. There will be a delay. And sometimes, even if there's not a delay, most people like myself, we're a bit, bit keen to join in at, at, at business meetings. Now, you can get withered with a glance at an actual business meeting, but 
when you start talking over people on video call, you often can't hear them talking. So you think, oh, well, they had shut up, but you can suddenly see their mouth is still moving. And, and that's not always a good look. It will be inevitable. But if you see that happening, I would always stop and say, sorry, carry on is a good idea. Um, and good greeting rituals will be important as well. A lot of people, they just switch on. And either it goes to about nine-year-olds, hi, how are you? Which is fun, but not business-like. Um, I think it needs to be something a little bit more elegant where you do a, a nice eye smile. Don't always go for the rictus grin. Say people's names. Um, maybe a little bit of small talk. How are your radishes? <laughs> like that. <laughs> so no, not too prolonged. And my biggest, biggest, biggest tip, because I have been falling foul of this one on a repeat basis, when you're on a conference call, always make sure that you say nothing and barely move once the call's over. Because I, I, <laughs> I have friends where we all thought we'd switch one another off on Zoom and we hadn't, and I could suddenly hear them going, oh, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, thank goodness they're good friends because otherwise we could have been going, oh, thank God that's finished. They're so boring. They only spoke about radishes or did you see the look on their face? So make sure that the whole thing is, I would sit there I would rather sit there for a fortnight smiling than, than switch off too early uh, and find that my final comments or the fact that I shuffle off and put my slippers on uh, has been seen by everybody in the workplace. Some great tips there, Judy. Thank you. It's been fascinating talking to you as ever. I'm sorry it has been so long. We must that we must meet again once the royals are allowed back out into the wild. Whenever <laughs> that whenever that may be. But um, no, thank you so much for, for joining us and livening up our lockdown. I'm sure our listeners will be very grateful to you for sharing those excellent tips. And I will be trying to put them into practice just as soon as I am back from my holiday. So thank you very much, Judy, for joining us. And we'll chat again soon. Thank you. And that's brilliant. Enjoyed it. So now you know how to impress your boss with your body language in your video calls. Thank you to Judy. It was so much fun catching up with her. It's always great to hear her. She looks at things slightly differently and is never short of an opinion. So we'll hope to get her back on the show very soon. So that is one of our three parts, our trilogy of lockdown video calling specials, the fashion and beauty one and the room setup one are also well worth a listen. So I hope you enjoy those. And obviously we will have pictures on our Instagram account at Podsave and we'll be on Twitter. Some of them may be a little late because I am on my holidays this week so if we don't manage to get them up at the same time as the recording I will post them when I am back and if you have a little moment uh, it would be great if you headed over to iTunes and left us a review and a rating to say what you enjoy about the show because we love doing it for you and if you let us know what you love the most then we will keep doing even more of it. So anyway, hope you enjoyed that little different perspective and until next time. Pod save the Queen!